The Athletic. Football Show European Edition. Today we get semi interested in the midweek matches. Check out why Barcelona won the title, then went on a run. Ask when Pogba will play again. Say so long, Sam Doria. Check out Ligue's Rainbow Row and marvel at the highest XG game ever. All that and more coming up in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday the 16th of May. Listen, thank you so much for making us your podcast of choice. I've got a very international flavour for you today with James Horncastle joining us from Italy. Ciao, James. Ciao, ciao. Uh, Alvaro Romeo, hola, Alvaro. You're in Spain. Yep, <laughs> I haven't got any audio from Alvaro. That's how far away he is. <laughs> Julien, you're on your way to Italy, am I right? Indeed, tomorrow morning I'll be uh, joining the Horn in uh, Milan right. for, I'm really excited about it. I've been to San Siro before, never for Derby and obviously never for Champions League Derby. So I'm very, very excited. All right. I wonder what the atmosphere will be, be like. <laughs> so, uh, so little indication after that first leg. <laughs> Let's try Alvaro again. Alvaro. Hola, James. Yes. Yes. Boom. We can pod. All right. Rafael Honigstein's also with us, Rafa. Hello, James. I'm on my way to Cologne. Are you? On Thursday. You're currently sat in front of an intriguingly ajar cupboard with a floating balloon just out of shot on our Zoom call, listener. <laughs> it's, uh, it's my daughter's birthday. Oh, happy She's birthday. She's 12 today. Oh, that's lovely. All right. So you're off to Cologne. How was your trip last week, Rafa, when you and James shared a stadium at the Stadio Olimpico, in fact? It was great. Me and James shared a stadium with 63,000 people. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it was very, very cool. Uh, James's uh, sense of direction and timekeeping leaves much what? to be desired. So I heard a different story about about this involving oh, a long nap, involving a long nap, involving you listing a, a precise set of timings that you wanted to observe, and then topping it all by saying, "But now I'm going to have a long nap." That's, that's just totally not what happened. Okay. Totally not what happened. But uh, it was great because we walked to the stadium. Right. Through the city, which was yes. really very beautiful. Yes. Um, and so a great game. We used all public transport. Uh, we got the tram and then uh, an epic Chariot. journey back on the uh, Cavalletto, the little scooters. We went mm. like six kilometers on them where there was like a group of Roma fans walking by the road <laughs> and saw me and Rafa went, Dio, Cavalletto, Cavalletto. Like, go on, right. go on, grasshoppers, go on, ponies. <laughs> Just pretty good. I love those Roma fans. <laughs> they were in fine spirits, of course, yeah. after a 1 0 victory against Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, who did you share a hotel a foyer with, by the way, Rafa? No, it's. Well, we were James. We were staying in the same hotel, but yeah. we, we had but... breakfast the next day ah, right. in a different place Ooh. and uh, bumped into Daniel Craig. All right. How was he? He was very friendly. And I thought, who's this guy saying good morning to us? But James said, it's Daniel Craig. All right, okay. Yeah, it turns out Bond right. survived, James. You know when we cried at the end of uh, Bond? Um, we yeah, did. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's alive. And he was on, a, on Her Majesty's Secret Service in Rome. So can't wait to see mm. that. Indeed so. Magnificent. All right, we're going to talk about some football now, listener. You'll be delighted to know. Uh, we've got second legs of uh, the various... European competition uh, semi-finals on the way but before we get into those do I need to ask Rafa your moment of the weekend yes James my moment of the weekend I can't actually tell you <laughs> when that specific moment happened right because I wasn't there but I know that at some point during the game Union Berlin supporters were singing so eine Scheiße, so eine Scheiße Champions League to the tune of Rod Stewart's Sailing, mm. celebrating so their imminent, shine. yeah, yeah, celebrating their <laughs> imminent qualification for the Champions League. <laughs> I have to say, so eine Scheiße, how does that translate? Um, Champions, well, Champions League? It, it literally means oh, <laughs> but I guess the best translation ah. would be hell, we're going right. to the Champions League. Which in itself is kind of a, a reference because they had the famous banner 
when they went up saying, oh, we're going up. So now the has been upgraded or is about to be upgraded to European elite level. Say that the finally hit the fans. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alroy, you remember the weekend? I start. <laughs> Come in, Alvaro. Yeah, uh, Rafael was talking about upgrades, and I think that there is no better upgrade than uh, winning the league after four years of a big drought. So mm. the moment of the week in Spain has to be that one. Barcelona winning it, uh, first La Liga since 2019, first mm. of the decade, first for Xavi, and uh, a stat that I really like, the first one this century without Lionel Messi. Okay, and they then got chased off the pitch. They did indeed, we'll go through it later, but uh, it was incredible to see that because it could have been very dangerous. Barcelona mm. players were just uh, enjoying it after the game. I don't think there was a provocation for celebrating uh, having won a title at one of your biggest opponents' ground. Uh, ground. But uh, some ultras at the beginning jump onto the pitch, followed by many ultras, many more, many more, many more. And Barcelona players have to run uh, in the dugout and go to the locker room very quickly. Mm. Indeed they did. All right. Jules, what stood out for you this weekend? When Lens were one nil down uh, at the Stade Bollard Stadium against Reims and one man down as well. And somehow came back to win 2-1 in what could be a huge win because obviously they're still in a sprint with Marseille for finishing second and qualifying straight for the Champions League next season. So that huge win for them. And again, the spirit, the, the atmosphere in the stadium was amazing. And Seco Fofana, again, Paris born and bred, of course, uh, with a huge goal, uh, the winning goal, again, uh, was very important to his team. And James Horncastle. Probably what happened in Spezia, James, at the end of Milan's 2-0 defeat to the relegation Ligurians, where they went over to see the Ultras, which was pre-planned, whether they were going to win or lose, they were going to go and see them anyway. Um, and didn't look good uh, what uh, went on, because we saw one of the Ultras, who's got some fairly bad previous, I would say, you know, in terms of uh, alleged drug trafficking, uh, yeah, sort of fighting and all kinds of stuff. Worse, actually. Um, and sort of the players just nodding as he uh, offered his encouragement to them ahead of uh, Tuesday night's Eudo Derby, where Milan have to come back from 2-0 down against the Cugini Inter. Uh, Stefano Pioli nodding as well. Um, but, you know, I mean, the same ultras were there at Milanello uh, the following morning where Milan were training, uh, singing songs, lighting off flares and getting them set uh, for Inter. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously attracted a lot of criticism in Italy. Um, an investigation has been launched by the Italian Football Federation because uh, a few years ago they they put in a rule which players should not be subject to threats. Now, you know, Milan have been quite clear that they, they weren't threatened in, in this scenario, but Time uh, Football Federation wants to make uh, absolutely uh, sure of that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we know Paolo Maldini, um, who went, was captain, obviously, of Milan and technical director, he did not have a good relationship with the Ultras. Uh, he called them uh, beggars, didn't he? Um, and you know, didn't feel he ever had to answer to them and was uh, absent. Uh, from mm. that consultation, if you want to call it that, um, between the uh, the team and the ultras. Oh, a huge match coming up for Milan. Will they be needed to clear the air after Tuesday night's game? Let's move on to the Champions League and the second leg of the semi-finals next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. All right, Tuesday it is Inter hosting Milan. Wednesday, Man City take on Real. And then Thursday, we've got semi-finals in the Europa League and the Conference League as well. But let's begin at San Siro. Inter, James, very much in the driving seat to reach their sixth European Cup final, uh, the first since 2010, when they won it. Milan have now faced Inter three times this calendar year. They've lost all three. 
and haven't scored a single goal in any of those encounters. Any reason to think that Tuesday is going to be different? It's a dead be, so anything can happen. You know what they say, the form buck gets thrown out the window, James. But having watched Inter play against Milano for the last nine months, and even going back to last season, what made Milan Scudetto so exhilarating were the dead beats in which Inter would dominate for an hour, Inzaghi would make some substitutions, and then Giroud would score a brace and they'd come back and win. So even in those games, you know, Inter were the team that was on top. I think there was an element of it playing on their minds in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the first leg that these Milan players know that Inter have got their number, that they're too much to handle at times. So on that basis, I'd be very surprised if there were a turnaround. A lot is riding on whether Rafael Leao will be fit to return because he was missing from the first leg with that muscle injury. He trained uh, fully on Sunday. So uh, at the very least, Stefano Pioli expects him into the, uh, to be in the squad. But... And as we saw against Spezia, Milan at this moment in time are really struggling to create chances. Inter, on the other hand, are scoring three, four, five a game um, at the moment, even when they're rotating. And you know, I think that will have an impact on Tuesday as well, that Inzaghi felt comfortable enough to rotate more than Pioli did. And they were 3-0 up after an hour. And okay, Sassuolo made it a little bit nervy at the end. They brought it back to 3-2, could have made it 3-3. But in the end, it was a job done. And you know, even Inter's fringe players on form. So pretty worrying. You're talking about Romelu Lukaku? Yes, because you know, Big Rom, uh, even though his chances of staying at Inter have gone up to 6 out of 10, James. Uh, oh, really? Now, uh, according to mm. their chief executive, Beppe Marotta. Yeah, big Rom is in fine form, scored the goal of the weekend in Italy. Classic Rom goal, pinned the centre-back, outside the box, turned, top corner, boom. Velenoso, potente, preciso, di Big Rom, sotto l'incrocio dei pali. One of the best goals he's ever scored for Inter, on his birthday as well. But Simone Inzaghi will not be giving him the present of starting in the second leg of this game because... He rested Dzeko, as he did before the first leg. Dzeko scored in each of the last three derbies. And he what really... a goal, by the way. Oh, yeah. But, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, we saw Dzeko lead uh, Fikayo Tomori and Simon Kier up the garden path in the first leg. So, you know, I think Inzaghi will be pretty confident. Um, and, you know, even Francesco Acer, to be the, the inter centre-back, say, is saying it would be a disgrace if Inter didn't qualify for the final. So... We'll have to see if they fall into disgrace or they remain in a state of grace, James. Mm. I mean, and risk hell, the headline. Yeah. On, uh, in, in Gazetta on, on uh, Monday morning, uh, the day before the game. Crikey. Uh, but, George, you're going out to that game. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I'm not sure what leading up to the garden means, but it can't be too nice, right, for Kier and Tomori? I've never heard this, uh, seems like, old people's um, uh, expression. <laughs> But I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be amazing. Like, who else than old people would use, like, let me, let me lead you up to the garden? Lead you up uh, the garden path. They, they take you path, for a... Path. Sorry, I yeah. forgot the path. Yeah. yeah. Take sounds, you for a ride. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Take you for a ride. Okay, I get you. I get you. No, I can't wait. I just don't see how Milan, even if Leao plays, he will be, what, 60% maybe, and he will play... With in the back of his head, the fact like I'm playing, but I don't want to get injured again. I don't see how, as much as I would like Milan and Giroud to do it and Mignon and all of that, I just don't see them being able to beat and come back into the tie. It's not just beating. They have to win convincingly and comprehensively. And I, I just don't think that this Inter-Milan team, when they defended really well mm-hmm. against Porto, for example, when they were ahead in the first leg, after the first leg, I just don't see how Milan can come back and, and put them under enough pressure to go and qualify. Some conspiracy theorizing um, before the game, we've just had the press conference of Simone Inzaghi, who has he's flagged up the fact that the referee is French. It's one of Jules's favorites, Clément Turpin. And, oh, no. Yeah. We know how and, bad he is as well. And Milan have so many French players right. that, you know, is he, is he not going to favor them? You know, I so, like this. Inzaghi said, I don't think it's going to be an issue, though. But he just wanted to point it out. 
Right. <laughs> top, what, top what in Italy they call the dietrologia, I think, no? Very the thing much between so. the lines. Yeah. I don't think that uh, Milan is going to be up to the challenge, or I think it's very unlikely because in 2023, I was checking their numbers. They have only scored more than two goals in one game. Was against Napoli. I mean, a big one. But, uh, you know, they need three games to go through, uh, most likely. So it's very difficult. And also, I haven't seen a centre-back duo so troubled in a Champions League semi-final for a very long time. What Tomori and Kier did the other day was inexplicable, really. And the funny thing is that Milan was hitting plenty of clean sheets in the Champions League. They had not conceded for five games out of six in the competition. So I really don't know what happened to them, how they crumbled. But if they don't have a system to stop Enjitarian and the midfielders just running forward, and if they don't have a way of holding uh, Inter's midfielders, they're going to suffer again. Well, we'll see on Tuesday night. Wednesday, meanwhile, the rather less clear-cut second leg between Manchester City and Real Madrid. This weekend saw City 3-0 winners over Everton. Real 1-0, their victory over Getafe, which came at a cost. Alvaro, Eduardo Camavinga, who had thrilled and excited us so much in the first leg, exiting with an injury. Will he be fit for Wednesday? Let's see. That's, that's the thing. Ancelotti didn't discard the player on uh, on Saturday evening. It will be a big loss for Real Madrid because I don't think Ferland Mendy is uh, still ready to play 90 minutes at full speed. I think so, anyway. But uh, every time he's been on the pitch, he has uh, delivered for Real Madrid. But yes, uh, it's not only what Camavinga gives you on the left, who is, by the way, not uh, a left back, but he has become one of the good ones, but also with the ball uh, in his feet. For example, the other day, he was the one starting the run that led to Vinicius's goal. But yeah, I think that no matter who is out, and I think Real Madrid is going to have pretty much a complete squad, uh, the game is going to be it's going to be fascinating again. Uh, I do believe that, uh, as I said the other day, this is the best game we can see. And uh, we saw in the first leg that uh, maybe Manchester City uh, needed to be a little bit more academical when it came to attacking and find the spaces in a, a certain ways, whereas uh, Real Madrid has every register as well in the palette. And if they want to transition quickly, they can do it. If they've got the inspiration of Rodrigo, Vinicius, Benzema, who created a beautiful chance in the second half against Manchester City. So the technique is there as well. And, um, you know, every scenario is possible, but I would like to see how cautious Manchester City is this time. Because at Madrid, at some point, Pep Guardiola was very worried of keeping the one-all scoreline. Uh, he didn't give instructions, I think, to Kevin De Bruyne and Gundogan to go forward, even though there was a space for them. And, um, you know, will he play like this at the Etihad? This is my, my biggest question. Is he going to be so calculative? During 90 minutes, or at some point, maybe at the beginning of the game, he's going to give his players a little bit more of permission to go forward and to attack more. City have a phenomenal record at the City of Manchester Stadium. They're on a 14-match unbeaten run there. They scored 49 goals in that time and conceded just seven. Rafa, what do you think? Does that matter when you're facing Real Madrid? Uh, matters a little bit because the confidence, I think, will be will be quite high. You could see that... As Alvaro said, uh, Guardiola was quite happy with the draw in the end. Didn't really feel he needed to do much more, thinking that at home they can they can win the game. And I saw City yesterday at uh, Goodison Park, uh, even without Kevin De Bruyne and a couple of others. They were still very impressive, uh, playing with 70% of their real potential, maybe. So I think, as I said to you last week, I think this year could be the year that City mm. actually make it, at least to the final. But of course, they would be heavy favourites if they okay. were to reach it. Real Madrid didn't have to move their fixture because of Eurovision, though. <laughs> yes, uh, that's true. Um, Guardiola would have liked to, to play on Saturday instead, giving them an extra day of preparation. Uh, as it was, they had an extra day's rest for the Everton game, which didn't hurt them too much either. So, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be okay. All right. Anyone catch Eurovision? I didn't see it myself. Was I watched it? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. Any any yeah. thoughts? I thought that France the French was very were robbed. Done by. I really, I really. Yeah. Liked, thank you, um, Rafi. Evidemment, it was great. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. I couldn't think of a music genre so far away from what Raphael Honigstein stands for than what Germany put out. Stream <laughs> <laughs> 
And you saw the points that they got. <laughs> there you, you go. Should choose me next. Let me choose next time. Right. Uh, I didn't see it, James. What kind of musical genre is it that, that re represents the polar opposite from Rafa's aesthetic? It was. They were called glam, glam heavy metal. I think is the genre. Yeah. No. Yeah. They were called Blood and uh, Glitter. Glitter. Yeah. Glitter. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Not much yeah, clothing sort of wearing as well. Glammy, sort of death metal-y, that sort of thing, yeah. It was horrible. Mm. It's pretty rubbish, yeah. And the French, I mean, she was not French, the French singer. She was uh, Canadian, but she... she like Celine Dion, yeah, that's took, what they wanted to repeat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but she took losing so badly, she finished 16th, right? That she she showed a finger. What was the hand gesture? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> she was said it? this and that. Okay, Raphael Honigstein weighing in on people's hand gestures on camera. I know, exactly. <laughs> I, know. I know Alvaro is being very quiet about Spain's entry. I mean, all she did was screaming, the Spanish show singer. <laughs> that, that was, Spain was the worst, was the worst song. She was the worst. Sorry. I Sorry, mean, we, who, we got, who, who gave you points? Nor normally France gives us a lot of points, actually. There was, and Italy too. James, if you wanted, <laughs> if you want to hear mm -hmm. a song without any tune. Yeah. Or a chorus or anything. Sounds like modern then, music, Rafa, go on. Spain, Spain is, <laughs> From Spain, Spain is the way forward. Spain, all yeah. right. Well, there you go. Well. Uh, returning to the subject of the European verdicts on the football field, Rafa, you're calling Man City for this. Alvaro? Not calling anyone. I think this is 50-50. Well, that's, that's not really playing along. Well, sure. Someone anyone. is going to win. <laughs> there no, will be a but, winner. But I think that... Look, I tell you something. I think that uh, I'm so glad that the away goal rule doesn't exist anymore. Uh -huh. It would be very unfair for Real Madrid to have to go there and to win that Inter, Inter are furious that the away goal <laughs> rule doesn't stand anymore because... They would already be practically through. Uh, I, I mean, I think Alvaro's unwillingness to call uh, this just goes to show the the Real Madrid sort of industrial yeah, complex. They're scared. Is, 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 is the deep state Madrid is very strong that so he's scared. so scared of picking against Madrid that he thinks he'll have repercussions for his beloved Athletic. If, this if is you want to make some money, here. go for Real Madrid because the betting houses are paying five Real Madrid win. Really? Think, about that money? Yeah, yeah. Really? It's. Uh, I think that Arsenal was more favourite at the Etihad against Manchester City a month ago than Manchester City is now, which is, in my opinion, an oddity. Than Real Madrid is now? Yeah. Right. Wow. Remarkable. Jules? City. And James? Hala Madrid. Oh, there you are. There you are. <laughs> Who will be making it to the final in Istanbul or wherever they hold it? Because uncertainty reigns once again about Istanbul actually getting to have the Champions League final. More on that when the picture clears regarding the Turkish elections, etc. Uh, but next up, let's move on to other events, including the Europa League semi-finals and that Barcelona title. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Alvaro, eventful Catalan derby this weekend. Barcelona beating Espanyol 4-2, sealing the title, as you mentioned, doing a big celebration all over the Espanyol pitch, dancing around in a circle, until one or two ultras began to emerge onto the field, at which point the players in yellow, they went up the garden path at extreme velocity. Wow. Yes, it was incredible. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, we have seen that in the past. I mean, when a club achieves something away, they celebrate as well. But uh, many Espanyol ultras took it as an offence, and um, Barcelona players, as you said, have to run very quickly, run away. And um, it all happened so quickly that the referee didn't even write a match report about it uh, because he wasn't there. He also ran away, meaning that uh, it is the TV cameras actually who got most of the footage and the information about what happened there. Right now, La Liga is going to report about that, obviously, because La Liga has a representative in every ground. Uh, Espanol is trying to identify the ultras and is trying to offer some help because they are scared that uh, the Anti-Violence Committee actually could take some action and ban Espanol from playing at home for the next two days, or they could um, trigger an, another type of punishment, which is Espanol playing behind closed doors for the two remaining games of the season at home. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, the development of that, yeah. But, yeah, let's see, let's see what happens. The Anti-Violence Committee uh, didn't take some action in a very similar situation in 2014 at Las Palmas Ground, and to the point that the fans got onto the pitch when the game was not finished yet mm. uh, a couple of times. And that time they didn't uh, close the ground. The anti-violence committee decided that uh, there was no need. So let's see what happens this time. But anyway, I mean, it was a great night for Barcelona. And you should have seen John Laporta. I don't know if you have seen Laporta yet, but entering the, the locker room and celebrating with the players. I mean, that man knows how to throw a party, obviously, and he was loving it. Michael Cox knows how to throw a uh, tactical deep dive. And if you fancy one of those with Mr. Zonal Marking, then there's one uh, coming up on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast as he breaks down really how uh, Xavi has steered Barcelona. Who Am I right in saying Alvaro, they were ninth when he took over? How he steered them to the title? I don't remember if they were ninth mm. exactly, but uh, I remember that that season uh, in autumn 2021, the question in Barcelona was whether Barcelona was going to qualify for the Champions League or not uh, at the end of the season. They did qualify and this season they won La Liga. And uh, I haven't read uh, Michael Cox's article yet, I will, mm. but I, I'm sure that uh, he will be talking about the defensive stability of Barcelona, about how good Ter Stegen has been, but also about the couple of clouds that are there. Number one, that uh, the strikers in La Liga haven't been clinical enough sometimes in key moments against Barcelona, and Ter Stegen has done produce beautiful saves, but also I believe that in a rather low-scoring low tournament, as La Liga is right now, Barcelona has benefited from that a little bit. And um, one of, maybe, maybe one of the biggest assignments for Xavi now is uh, to make Barcelona play the next season the way he really wants, because he has created a solid side. Uh, many times he has uh, alluded to the fact that Barcelona sometimes is struggling to keep the possession, to play the third man, as they call it in La Masia, but at least they have been solid. And when Barcelona needed an extra midfielder, he basically broke Barcelona's gospel, which is playing with a 4-3-3, two wingers, and he put Gabi on the left, and that has worked really well for Barcelona at times because the workforce has been there. Barcelona's... Uh, Defensive compromise has been fantastic this season and it has been one of the one of the keys of uh, winning La Liga. The fact that 
10 players were running a lot, and even when there were quick transitions and the opponent had a counter-attack, you could see the legs of Christensen, Araujo, uh, the midfielders running, running very fast just to make sure that they stopped that, something that we didn't see when maybe Suarez and Messi were at Barcelona, because these players didn't have the same commitment defensively, but this Barcelona team has it, and uh, the tactical flexibility of Xavi has been one of the keys, and uh, then the defensive stability, to the point that they have been so stable defensively that even when uh, De Jong and Pedri were out for about six weeks each together, Barcelona didn't suffer a lot, and their point per game ratio was still very good. I think that, that tells you that this side was ready to compete in La Liga. The question is whether they will be ready to compete in Europe the next season, because... Uh, I don't know if this Barcelona is the beginning of something great. I don't think so. I mean, when they won La Liga in 2004 after not winning the title for five years, they had Ronaldinho, Marquez, Eto, Xavi, Iniesta, and a third time boy in the academy called Messi, either in their prime or about to hit their prime. But this Barcelona team doesn't quite have that. The summer is going to be eventful. Uh, they don't have a lot of margin in the summer transfer window because they don't have a lot of money either. So I really want to see how this works. But, uh, you know, at least they won a title, which is something fantastic. Certainly is. All right, well, Michael Cox, uh, speaking on that uh, with others in the Athletic Football Tactics podcast, uh, which is out more or less now, I think. Alvaro, meantime, big win for Sevilla this weekend against Valladolid, 3-0 ahead of their crunch game Thursday night at the sanchez Pijuan when they'll be hosting Juventus 1-1. Uh, Juve equalising at the death last Thursday through Federico Gatti, but the the form of Sevilla, since they changed managers again, has been absolutely remarkable. Is there a lot of confidence about their, their chances of making yet another final? A lot. I spent the weekend with plenty of people from Sevilla, season ticket holders, uh, because I am in Spain now, and they were all like, telling me, we're going to beat them. Juventus doesn't even know what's out there for them at San Juan in terms of the reception that Sevilla is going to receive, how unwelcoming Sevilla fans, not in a nasty way, but how... Mm pressurized Juventus will uh, find the, themselves at Sevilla ground. And yeah, they, they are very confident. I think that they are a little bit too overconfident. But the results of Sevilla are really good. Three months ago, we were talking that Sevilla and Valencia were fighting to avoid relegation. Valencia is still there. But Sevilla has been doing so well under Mendilibar. They have only lost one game, by the way, against Girona. That now, they are, to me, the favourites to qualify for the Conference League uh, via the domestic uh, campaign. Wow. And in the Europa League, they are doing very well. I mean, the um, likes of Acuña and Nesiri, Ocampos and Brian are stepping up a lot. And uh, it's a very good moment for them. I think that they could have the upper hand against Juventus because at Sunset with Juan, Manchester United uh, suffered and many other sides have suffered in Europe this season. And uh, as I said before, they are flying right now. All right. James, you and I, we um, we were filling in for Jake and the boys doing uh, City A on uh, Sunday night and we saw Juventus <laughs> taking on Cremonese uh, in, a, in a game which they won against the side second bottom in the league. But Paul Pogba, who had his first start in 390 days going off injured, that was the really bad news, in tears, poor chap. Di Maria back, though, which could be key for Thursday night and their chances. Could be key, yeah. Really sad scenes to see uh, Pogba on his first start uh, go down after 21 minutes. He's been at the J Medical Centre today, have a scan, and uh, it looks like his season's over. The injury isn't as bad as first feared, and you know, I think uh, most people thought when they saw his reaction um, to it, um, it's only a kind of a light tear to his thigh muscle. But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, some people questioning Allegri's uh, handling of him, given that he'd said on the eve of the game that he was, you know, the important thing is that Pogba's available for half an hour. So it's like, well, why start him then? Particularly when your team's in a, in a Europa League semi-final. Um, but I thought Juventus were pretty good on Sunday night. I mean, you'd imagine they, they should be against a, a team like Cremonese, but this is a Cremonese team that had... Uh, held Milan to uh, a couple of draws, had uh, knocked Roma out of the cup. So, uh, you know, sometimes uh, Juventus, even against teams in the bottom half of the table, um, uh, are a tough watch. But I, I thought they were pretty entertaining um, on uh, on Sunday. So, uh, so let's see. But um, you know, looking at the home form um, that we've seen from Sevilla in this competition so far, and of course their football heritage. 
Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough ask, um, even though you know, sort of Juventus drew the first game against Nantes and then battered Nantes uh, away from home with the help of an early sending off. But uh, this is a different mm. proposition. All right, looking forward to that on Thursday. Or will I be watching Bayer Leverkusen against Roma? Rafa. Xavi Alonso's boys trailing by a goal after their trip to the Stadio Olimpico. Is it going to be a different story back at the Bay Arena? Well, I think a lot of it depends on them uh, scoring a goal because Mourinho's game plan worked really well. It was a long goalless affair and then they got hit by a long ball and then found it really, really hard to break down a Roma that played even, even less football. It won't be, it won't be too different. Um, Jose will defend that one lead and the key for Bayer who are best when they can play in transition is to actually try to do something from open play which is going to be hard enough they had one or two opportunities I think the lesson from the game is that you have to take them because you're not going to get any more so they just have to be a little bit better Um, if they score the goal then I think they've got a decent chance of adding a second but it's going to be it's going to be very difficult Uh, Roma looked very tough to break down, uh, played with uh, real conviction, didn't look like a team that's prone to self-sabotaging themselves. So uh, I think as James told me after the after the game, uh, Mourinho has really changed the self-perception and the narrative at Roma for, from a club that used to always find a way of, of messing things up to getting things done. And that's no mean feat. Xabi Alonso in his own way is trying to do a similar story at Leverkusen because Leverkusen also have a reputation for for crumbling under pressure. Neverkusen. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. It's going to be a tense one, that. Uh, James, anything you want to add or should we get on to the conference semifinals and other things? Well, just that uh, it seems like Dybala is, is still a doubt for that game. He came on against Leverkusen. He was left at home for the nil-nil draw against Bologna, which, uh, considering how much Mourinho rotated his team uh, for that game, uh, it shows that he is all in on winning the Europa League um, in order to get into the Champions League rather than looking to get into top four. So, yeah, and I think if Dybala doesn't start, they'll be confident because they won it without him in the first leg. And the important thing is to, to make sure that he's available should they get to the final in Budapest. All right. Jose looking to reach his sixth European final, and he's won all of the previous five. Crikey. Uh, Conference League semi-finals also available on Thursday evening. The question's there, can West Ham hold on against RZ? And will we see our first ever Swiss side in a European showpiece event? We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. No Swiss side has ever reached a European final. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Hmm. Basel have the chance, if they can maintain their one-goal lead over Fiorentina, 
when they host uh, La Viola back in Switzerland on Thursday night. They're 2-1 up from the first first leg. How about that? Anyone want to make a bold, bold call about Basel Fiorentina or is it AZ Alkmaar against West Ham, which also finished 2-1 in the first leg, this time to the Hammers that holds your attention? I think Fiorentina will still make the final of the Conference League. Uh, it's quite remarkable when you look at the number of goals that Fiorentina have scored away from home. They've averaged three goals in each of their away games so far this season. Um, and they've scored four in the last three. And Basel, I know they rotated their team. They got battered 6-1 by St. Gallen uh, at the weekend. Um, mm. So, you know, there's one thing of kind of like saying, okay, you know, the Europa League is important to us. There's another thing completely uh, writing off a, a game like that, even though they are 26 points off. Those young boys from Bern. Um, so... You know, I think Fiorentina played well against Udinese uh, at the weekend. And, uh, you know, I think they've got to this stage by being super good on the road. So, yeah, I'm still, I'm still quietly confident about that. The other semi-final, as mentioned, is West Ham, who travel to the Netherlands to take on RZ uh, with a 2-1 a win in the first leg under their belts. A uh, quick mention of other Netherlands news, which is the Feyenoord are now champions of the Eredivisie for the 16th time, only the second time this century, though, after their 3-0 victory at the weekend over go-ahead Eagles. Two games to go, but Arnie Slot already claiming the title. Magnificent. Very good. Hey, let's talk about Ligue 1, Julien Laurence. All right, so much to discuss here. Big win for PSG and Lionel Messi playing again. Mm. But everyone was delighted mm. to see him back. I mean, we should do half of the pod boo him and the other half kind of claps and applauds and, you know, because right. that's what happened at the Parc des Princes on Sunday against Ajaccio. He was back. Half of the stadium uh, was not happy. The other half was happy. So we had a mix of boos and cheers and that kind of stuff. Not that he, he seemed bothered at all, to be fair. Right. He doesn't show much emotion. What were you doing, Jules? Were you booing or cheering? No. I'm, I'm, I'm more cheering. I'm happy to see him play. He's got one. I mean, he's, he doesn't have that many games left for PSG anyway. Three, two away, one at home. I think we should enjoy him until he's not there anymore. He had a bad game. They won 5 0 and he had a bad game. So it could have been better if he had had a good game. But it was the story. I mean, all, all we cared about for that game was to see the reception. The Ultras are on strike. They're not going to do anything until the end of the season. So it was going to be about the reception that Messi got, and we saw that it was very divided. Even even the ultra striking in front. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> that uh, that result, by the way, sending a Jazio down, a Troyes also going down this weekend, and Angers were already relegated. So that's the whole relegation battle sorted, right, Jules? No, because there's one more to go. Exactly. This year, there's four teams going down. Crikey. Yeah, because we want to be like the Germans. So we're going to have a Ligue 1 with 18 clubs next season, like the Bundesliga. So very that sensible. means... Very sensible. Thank you, Rafi. Two will go up from Ligue 2 and four go down. So the fourth space is between Nantes and, and Auxerre. I think mm. really they're one just point one point between, between each other. Yeah. Yeah. And Auxerre have a, have a really tough schedule as well. Who's coming up, Jules? So, so Le Havre uh, are leading... The, the race in Ligue 2, they've unbeaten in 32 games. They played tonight on Monday night to make a step closer towards, towards promotion, which would be great. They've got Mathieu Bodmer, the former Lyon PhD player, as a sporting director. Uh, Luca Esner, um, as, the, as the coach, they've got great young players. So it's a really good project right now. And then the second place would probably be between Bordeaux, who obviously came down Ooh, last season, yeah. and Metz. Uh, to go straight back up. So Ligue 2 has been really good this season, really interesting, especially in a season where only two of them will go up. All right. In the meantime, the battle to avoid being the fourth side going down became embroiled in controversy this weekend, Jules. As you may or may not know, Wednesday the 17th of May is the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia, in honour of which Ligue 1 this weekend was inviting players and managers to wear rainbow numbers and symbols. Uh, several players and one or two managers, uh, certainly, uh, Bruno Genesi, I believe, not taking part in this, and there was fury uh, from, for example, the Stade Brestois manager, Eric Roy, uh, over the fact that this campaign was uh, brought in at such a delicate moment of the season because uh, Toulouse, who were playing uh, Brest relegation rivals, Nantes, 
had what four players who wouldn't play three, as a as a result three, of this campaign. Yeah, three players for Toulouse, one player for for Nantes didn't play. We're, we're not in the squad. It's kind of I mean. That controversy will rage on, but it was interesting that the managers coming out, uh, Bruno Genesio, as I say, didn't wear the the uh, the supportive uh, uh, symbols and said that the oh, campaign man. was not necessary. Well, Arsene Wenger, remember, thought they were a distraction. These kind of things, you know, armbands. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Explained why Germany got knocked out of the World Cup in the group stage. So. Very good point. A lot of resistance to these kind of initiatives, Jules, in in France. I mean, two minds because I I can understand. In a way, maybe um, some of them have explained themselves why they didn't want to wear the shirt, saying like it's against the the belief and the values and whatever. On the other hand, I, I really don't understand why you don't support a cause like this. It's a good cause. It's uh, what Eric Roy is wrong is that it's, it was this weekend because, as you said, Jimbo, the day uh, the the World Day for uh, the fight against homophobia happened this time, not at, at Christmas, or not in October or at Easter. Otherwise. This the 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 shirts they would have worn them back then, so I just I just don't know why not everybody is is fully on board with with this kind of uh, initiative, uh, which I think is needed. But again, that's that's not the first time. I don't think it will be the last time. Meanwhile, the race for second place you mentioned before, Lens and Marseille, are only two points apart. Is it? Yeah, two points apart, yeah, that's right. and that's the, the second automatic Champions League spot behind Paris Saint-Germain, Lens with a 2-1 win at the weekend over Arras. And Marseille, 3-1 winner Sunday night against Angers. Yeah, Marseille coming back, being one goal down, Dimitri Payet scored. Alexis Sanchez was again the, the star of the night for Marseille. It was good to see Payet. I mean, he's still overweight, but to come out like this and still play and score is good for him. He's, he's a legend there. Uh, and he's still the club captain, so if he can help them, maybe... Going into second place, they, they, they are the two best teams in the league for me, and without a doubt. Uh, Lens and Marseille. Lens, maybe even more, what, what they're doing is incredible. The achievement, if they finish second especially. But now they're guaranteed to at least be third, so well done. And then we also have a bit of a fight for fourth place, fifth and sixth between Monaco, uh, Lille and Rennes. So that should be interesting for the, the three remaining games of the season. Nice to have a bit of interest heading into the final weeks. Uh, City A, what have we got to look forward to there, James? That big battle for uh, the Champions League spots, of course, which is a little bit clouded by the fact that probably uh, next Monday there's going to be another points penalty for Juventus or not. We shall see. Uh, Napoli, who are now champions, beaten this weekend by Monza. Uh, a question here from At The Bridge Pod. Can Monza challenge for Europe next season? I think they probably can because they had the highest net spend in Serie A last summer, which you know makes them a newly promoted side like no other, really, because they've got Silvio Berlusconi backing them. So it's not, for example, like Chievo, uh, when Chievo came up and shocked everybody. Uh, I think actually Monza, by beating Napoli, their points total is is the highest ever by a newly promoted side. It surpasses what Chievo did and also what uh, Hellas Verona did when they came up on the Mandolini about a decade ago. So, yeah, with the firepower that they've got, but it's still been a big surprise that Raffaele Palladino, who was promoted from being the under-19 coach, had never coached before at any level um, in the professional game at least, has done the job that he's done. You know, it's he's another kind of pupil of Gasparini, but... He's been able to get his team scoring goals in the way that Gasparini's other pupils haven't. You know, that's always been a shortcoming of Juric's teams. You could say it's a shortcoming of Thiago Motta's Bologna team. Uh, Palladino seems to be able to get lots of goals uh, from this team, um, which has a very Italian stamp on it uh, because, you know, we know what Berlusconi's like. You know, he likes. Uh, his players to be prim and proper, have no tattoos, um, can't have long hair. Um, they've got to sort of be um, squeaky clean uh, and that sort of thing. And we all know the motivation that uh, Berlusconi offered the players, the <laughs> quote-unquote pleasure bus um, that you know would be waiting for them outside the stadium after every big win against big clubs. Um, and you know they, they did the Juventus home in a way. Um, you know, you think of their performances against Inter Milan, they've beaten the champions, Napoli. Um, so, yeah, very impressive. So, yeah, I, I think they, they can't, 
basically because they've got the financial backing behind them to do it. One other quick question about City and then Rafi will get your thoughts on the Bundesliga. Steve McBain says, what is the prognosis for Sampdoria going forward for next season financially, etc.? Sampdoria, who last Monday, just uh, a week ago, were relegated back down to City. It'd be the very same, well, almost the same weekend that their neighbours Genoa came back up to the top flight. Yeah, I mean, it looked like... Spezia were going to follow them down as well. You know, another team from Liguria, which doesn't have the kind of same spotlight, but Spezia's win against Milan really throws the cat amongst the pigeons because uh, Verona, who had been on this great run and had got out of trouble, have, have now been uh, joined by Spezia. So it feels like it's going to be between those two um, as to, to which one stays up. Uh, and then, you know, to go back to Samp, you know, Samp need to find about 30 million euro by June 30th, which is the end of the uh, football accounting year, uh, in order to be allowed to register in Serie B. Otherwise, they will be wound up and they will have to start again at the bottom of the Italian football pyramid and probably have a slightly different name. You know, I don't know, AC Sampdoria or Sampdoria FC or something like that. And, you know, Roberto Mancini legend of the club Andrea Derina <laughs> yes <laughs> Roberto Mancini obviously legend of the club currently Italy coach has been saying you know how much it's pained him to watch what's uh, what's happened um, to the club because it's unlike what happened when they got relegated you know after they qualified for the Champions League preliminaries at the beginning of the last decade you know this is complete mismanagement by a very selfish owner um, who you know was arrested um, a year ago uh, and then sort of uh, released? Um, the club was put in a trust at that time, and you know it feels like the only way that this situation gets resolved is via an insolvency um, that you know can allow someone to come in and take over the club. Um, so it's yeah desperately sad. I think uh, a lot of people's second or third team. Um, is is Sampdoria, and uh, and yeah, so I, you know, the fans at this moment in time are trying to organise a whip around, um, so that they can raise that uh, that thirty million uh, themselves, or at least kind of go fund me um, some way towards it. So we'll have to see how they do. We've seen local industrials like I mean, in the golden days, the Mantovani's, but more more recently, Garoni coming in to kind of shore up the finances. But 30 million, that would be a substantial whip round. The prospects look pretty bleak. They, they're heading to insolvency, basically. Yeah, and, you know, Garone has uh, yeah, come under a lot of criticism uh, from the, the fans because uh, he gave the club away to Massimo Ferrero, the, the current owner, for a song. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's very strange circumstances in which Ferrero became the owner, um, considering you know sort of Ferrero's own business background uh, doesn't look particularly solid, given he was in charge of a airline which went bust, chain of cinemas which you know, fell into a load of financial difficulty, um, and that sort of thing. So you know even Garone has been threatened um, over the last uh, few weeks and months, um, and I mean this this is all I think the fault of one man, and that is. You know, Massimo Ferrero um, at the moment. I mean, anyone who's looked at him, you know, would 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 ask themselves, how is this person a functioning person, let alone a football owner? Um, so, um, yeah, it's desperately desperately sad. Also, because I mean, we've seen clubs like Parma. Um, you know, I mean, Parma were in a really desperate situation, had to start over, and they did the triple jump, which no one's ever done before, mm. which was to get promoted in back to back to back years all the way back to Serie A, um, but it's difficult. I mean, you look at um, you look at the second division at the moment, there are teams that have gone down, which uh, have gone down again, like Benevento, for example, uh, you know, have just been relegated to the third division. Spal have just been relegated to the third division. Spal, represented by Donald Trump's uh, representative, his legal counsel, <laughs> Joe Tacopina. Um, so, so there's no guarantee that that Samp would necessarily get back as soon as they could. So, you know, that's sad because I think that Derby de la Lanterna is one of the 
with one of the great adverts for Italian football um, and its top flight. Yeah, and Sam, a club that won so many hearts uh, on and off the field uh, in the 80s, 90s particularly. You mentioned Parma did come back, Fiorentina, another team who've uh, gone into insolvency and come back, and of course the team that's currently champions of Italy, Napoli, who made the long journey back under Aurelio De Laurentiis. Very good. Well, hopefully better times uh, may be ahead soon for Sampdoria but for now it's on to the Bundesliga Raphael Honigstein yes James big wins big wins this uh, weekend in Germany's top flight yeah we had Union Berlin with uh, as you mentioned a victory the pretty goes a long way to sealing their top four status 4-2 over fifth place Freiburg you had Dortmund 5-2 against Borussia Mönchengladbach and what's this Bayern Munich 6-0 against Schalke yeah Bayern are back uh, or at least Schalke made them look very, very strong. Uh, Schalke are still in danger of going down and they played very badly. But Bayern um, have found it difficult against poor position in recent weeks, but for once turned on uh, a bit of flow, a bit of style. And Thomas Müller with the opener after much discussion about his future and how he sits in the uh, plans for Thomas Tuchel. And, uh, and the club going forward. So a key game for him, a key open goal. And then Bayern actually uh, played some good stuff. Uh, Jean-Marc Muziala had a very good game after a bit of a lean spell. Leroy Sané had a really good game. Serge Gnabry scored again. He's been Bayern's most important player in the last uh, few weeks for his goal-scoring ability. So Bayern with a kind of routine win and dominance that you'd expect from them, but that we haven't seen all too often from them this season. Mm. The XG for Bayern in this game was 5.1, which is the most by any team in a single game in Europe's big five leagues this season. The the rumours about, or the, the, the questions about Thomas Müller's future, what do you think is going to happen, Rafa? I don't think anything's going to happen. Um, first of all, Müller made the point himself, and uh, I totally believe him that he'd be stupid now to start a big debate about what's happening next season. Uh, Bayern have two games to go. They need to win the title to have any... Uh, sense of uh, peace and calm going into next season and Tuchel will then make a decision uh, I think that is not necessarily categorical you know Thomas Müller might play a little bit less going forward but I don't think that Tuchel feels he needs to freeze him out completely or you know put him on the bench so what we see this season will continue Müller is not undroppable Müller will play when he's in good form when he's not there's enough quality behind him to, to play without him. And what is a bit annoying, I find, is that the narrative in Munich is very much dominated by knee-jerky reactions. So now that Müller has scored, uh, the Bayern president, uh, Herbert Heiner, comes out and said, oh, we have saw today that Müller cannot be dropped. It's bullshit. Um, you know, Müller was very bad in the game against Mainz, for example, and there was a reason why he hasn't been playing. And Bayern should be a lot more serious and clever not to always go with the flow and always seem to react to what the narrative at any given moment is. They used to be the masters of being contrarian. Uh, when Uli Hoeneß was there, when, when certain players were being hyped, Uli Hoeneß would say, let's calm down. This guy still has a lot to learn. When it was the other way around, when somebody would be criticized, would say, I don't understand criticism. He's a super player. Now Bayern are just going with whatever happens. They seem to go with it. And uh, I don't think it's a, it's a good way of running a club. Well, it's classic Bayern. Just when you expect them to be contrarian, they, they do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, ah. James. Excellent, excellent stuff. But yeah, it's it's still a, of course, uh, important win. And if they can win the next two games, then whatever happens in Dortmund doesn't matter. And still the season won't be seen as a big success, but it won't be seen as a disaster. Dortmund maintaining the pressure. They're just one point behind themselves. 5-2 winners over Borussia Mönchengladbach. They were 4-0 up after 32 minutes. Yikes, Rafa. They were really good, Dortmund. Um, all the players up front are in top form at the moment. Sebastian Allaire scored two goals. Brandt looked really good again. Daniel Marlin has been a player transformed in recent months. He's totally on fire, scoring goals, assisting, doing everything you'd expect. Karamadiemi has been really good as well. Um, am I missing one? Um, no, I think that's it. Uh, well, Jude Bellingham is maybe can be seen as one of the mm. attacking players because he plays in such a dominant role. He was on target again, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been good in recent weeks. So Dortmund would would make for a 
deserved champion, I think, if they were to squeeze past Bayern on the basis of the last few weeks and months where they have been really convincing by and large. Mm, okay. Mönchengladbach all the way down in 11th place there under Daniel Farke. Uh, speaking of big victories, only a one-goal margin in this one, but a 3-2 victory for Borkum against Augsburg, which saw them climb out of the bottom three. Yes, James. Uh, Bochum holding on, uh, perhaps, but it's so close at the bottom. I mean, Hatter looked like they're gone. They lost heavily, 5-2 against Köln on Friday night. They also have real financial problems and might be relegated um, at the green table, as we say in Germany, when uh, you lose not on the pitch, but uh, because of regulations. Um, ah, that's, you that's can find real... the green table up the garden path. Yeah, correct. Uh, that might still happen. Uh, Stuttgart, Schalke, Bochum, even Hoffenheim, not quite safe yet. So it's going to be super interesting. Both ends of the table for, for the next uh, couple of weeks. Excellent. Excellent. Well, of course, you can keep abreast of all the events here on the Totally Football Show's European edition. That's where we'll wrap it up. Everyone's going to head off to their various uh, European destinations or remain there if they're already in place for those big European semi-final second legs. We'll be back next Tuesday. So I do hope, listener, you'll be joining us for that. Of course, Thursday's Totally Football Show will have reactions to what happens midweek. For now, it's many, many thanks to Alvaro, to Rafa, Jules, to James, to special guest producer, Ben, and you, listener. Have a great time. Until we speak to you next from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.